0: Here's what's coming up next on ready to lead when we as leaders don't give that feedback we're not growing the team and we're not growing the company in fact we have a fiduciary responsibility to to do both i mean right. we are stewards of uh, the resources that we are given and sometimes those resources uh, are people and sometimes those resources are our financial but if if we are truly leaning into effective leadership then not only do we have to grow that person but we have to grow them in alignment with the company. So we're stealing both of those growth opportunities when we don't have uh, these corrective conversations and have them in a timely manner.
1: Welcome to Ready to Lead, a show that gives you, the leader, tools, tips, and insights you need to grow your team, your company, and yourself.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Ready to Lead. My name is Richard Lindner. I'm your host, and joining me, as always, is my co-host and friend, the lovely, the beautiful, the talented, the, gosh, the ever-wise, the sage of leadership, everyone's favorite coach, Mr. Dr. Professor Jeffrey, Jeffrey Mask. How's that for an intro?
1: so that was... A bit much, and great to be with you, and great to be with everyone as well. I'm excited about today's episode, which isn't a surprise. I genuinely am excited.
0: Jeff, you live in a perpetual state of excitement. It's one of the things that makes you you, and and justifies such a over-the-top intro.
1: (laughs) It's a bit nauseating. I get it.
0: No, no, (laughs) no, I think it's great. I
1: saw that again. I love lies, uh, what could I say? <laughs> I'll
0: tell you, you sound amazing. Is right. that a new hey. uh, fancy microphone you have?
1: You know, it's about time I upgraded. The more I could, was continue to listen to us talk, I was like, okay, my Cracker Jack speaker is not working mm. anymore, I gotta change that. So those of you that were annoyed by uh, having a really good pure audio from Richard and a really janky one from me, I, I hear you. I feel you, and I change that. So
0: perfect. We're, we're, we'll, I was going you say <laughs> next time? We'll add crystal clear or silky smooth, silver tongue, <laughs> sultry voice, something like that to the intro. It's going to be fantastic. I'm already, I'm already working some things up.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you. I already feel embarrassed. <laughs> uh, you're welcome.
0: That's what I do. Well. So let's uh, jump in. Let's jump in. Other than amazing intros and embarrassing Jeff Mask, what the heck are we talking about today?
1: Man, something that we had planned from our Awkward Conversations episode, knowing we needed to go a click or two deeper on a particular subject, and that was gonna come in a few more episodes, but several conversations I've had recently, in particular, a a recent coaching session that I had with one of my clients who's the CEO, he really needed help on a particular topic, and that is giving correction. How and when, and and just just some of the nuances behind that because it can be easy to second guess ourselves how to do it, when to give it, with whom, why do we do it in the first place? And so we bumped it up. It just I think it's important and it's 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 super critical and I think a lot of times we mess it up as leaders very painfully and I want to help people avoid that pain.
0: Yeah, that's great. I know a- all leaders, but especially you know, early career leaders or first time leaders, giving correction can be such a scary thing and it, and it can almost occupy a, the wrong place. Going. Everything goes back to mindset. But when we're thinking about correction, it, it correction doesn't have to mean confrontation in, in right. kind of a, a back and forth argument and correction isn't necessarily coming from a place of judging, right? Or uh, like someone themselves is bad or yeah. someone themselves they they are bad right there's mm-hmm. not a, a good and bad there's there's just a an an action or an activity that needs to change so for me one of the hardest pivots to make in in correction is the way that I thought about it and and mm. let's talk about that because as you were going through the conversation i think the biggest thing to start with is why why yeah. is it so important that leaders give not only feedback, but timely correction when, yeah, when nice. something gets off track, whether it's a, an action or an activity or, or just a, a mindset or an attitude. Like, let's talk through the why of, of correction.
1: I love it. I love, love your point. It's all about how we think about it, which surprise, surprise. We come back to that a lot. I think succinctly put, why it matters is because of the phrase that we talk a lot about, and that is we need to lead people for who they can become, not who they are today. And very often our everyday actions inhibit us from realizing our true self and, and our best self of where we want to be. Similar to the episode we shared about the space-time continuum. And as leaders, we have the opportunity to literally change our trajectory uh, of ourselves and those we lead. And so when we don't give that feedback that is needed, that is warranted, we are living in the negative 1985, as we've talked about in that previous opposite our episode. And And what happens is, people just don't live to their fullest potential. They may not see the behavior. They may not uh, understand the implications. They may not, they just might, might have a blind spot as we do. And, and we, as their leaders and coaches, I believe have the obligation and the opportunity and in many ways the blessing to help elevate their thinking, elevate their behavior, because when we don't, we're really just thinking about ourselves and we're not thinking about the, the individual. So to me, that's
0: why it matters. We're really changing lives uh, as we lead. Yeah. We're not, we're not thinking about our, our, the individuals. We're not thinking about the company. We're being very selfish. It's pain avoidance when we, right. when we are not, you know, having these corrective conversations and it, we, we like to lie to ourselves and say that of the person that, that we are trying to respectfully avoid is the, the person who we need to give the, the corrective right. feedback to. But in all honesty, the, the, who we're protecting from pain is not the other person. It's us. So if you think about the podcast and and kind of what we say is helping you grow yourself so you can grow your team so you can grow your company. When we as leaders don't give that feedback, we're not growing the team and we're not growing the company. In fact, we have a fiduciary responsibility to to do both. I mean, we are stewards of uh, the resources that we are given. And sometimes those resources uh, are people and sometimes those resources are, are financial, but if, if we are truly leaning into effective leadership, then not only do we have to grow that person, but we have to grow them in alignment with the company. So we're stealing both of those growth opportunities when we don't have uh, these corrective conversations and have them in a timely manner. I think we, we also, one of the things that I, I, I'm saying, we, thinking of all the times that I've avoided them and, and just insert I, 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 yeah, every time yeah. you hear me say we. I know in the past, I have come up with all the reasons why right now isn't a good time to have it either personally for that, that, that individual or for the company, because there's some big thing going on. And what that leads to is an even more awkward conversation because something happened. It was a triggering event. You, you talk about it now. and, And the why now is covered. Something happens. You wait a couple of weeks. The person sneezes wrong in your general direction. It reminds you of something two weeks ago and you have a very awkward, seemingly out of the blue corrective conversation. That's, or you, you avoid it, totally. that's wrong. Totally. So if we've talked about kind of the the why do we do it? Why is it so important? What's next? Like, or should we talk about the, the the when do we do it? The how do we do it? The where do we I, do it? If, if we're going sequentially.
1: The, yeah, I think the when, I think you nailed it. It's for, First we gotta understand why, why we're doing it. What's, what's our motive behind the, the action that we're trying to take? Then when, when do we do that? Before we jump into the when, I want to articulate this with a quick story. I had a, a member of a team one time where the way they were behaving both internally and externally, in particular, with some st- strategic partners was, to put it lightly, not in line with our core values. Mm. And some there were some relationships that were just a little strained. It wasn't overt and super off the charts horrible, but it wasn't in harmony with how we wanted to live. So it was kind of in that awkward gray area. And so I kind of postponed it. And I was like, "Yeah, maybe that's just kind of how he is. And maybe I just kind of chalked it up to maybe later because it may not be that big of a deal. So I delayed. And my delay resulted in a whole massive chain of events that occurred in a really short period of time that was very, destructive to the brand of our company, to the performance of the, of the partner, and to just the overall vibe of our, of our team and, and the relationship. And it, it got way out of hand really quickly because mm. I didn't have the courage and, and the foresight to just address it in that moment or, or when it needed to be. And because it was smaller in that time, and I thought, ah, but I didn't address it, and then it got bigger and larger, and then more behavior mm. ensued, and it resulted in me having to let the guy go. It was horrible. And I think it really could have been avoided had I had the courage to just step up in that moment. And maybe courage combined with uh, discernment to know when to do it. So when it comes to when, here's a rule of thumb that I like to listen to. If something strikes you as off on your core values and how you espouse them and how you want to behave, that's that's your first and, and most clear red flag. Another one is if you just kind of have that spidey sense that ah, that wasn't really, that was a little little odd. Maybe that occurred to me in ways that I'm not sure if it occurred to her or him the way that it was. If you have a little spidey sense, it's something that's just a little bit uncomfortable. Or if you notice the reaction of the individual with whom that the person is talking to, and you can sense their body language being a little off. Now in a virtual world, it's a little, a little bit more difficult. So you can look at, interactions in Slack channels and in email threads and just monitor if there's friction that, that could potentially be avoided if the person's there. So, if you're sensing anything on a core value infringement, if, if your spidey sense is telling you ah, that, that reaction was a little off or if others' reactions feel a little bit, that didn't really go well, that's your moment to know there's something to talk about. Mm. But what happens is it's subtle. It isn't massive. And so, we think, ah, it'll kind of... It'll it'll get swept into the car, it'll it'll kinda go away. Tensions will die down, and we'll be okay. Don't do what I did and avoid it only to have a larger problem down the road where you might have to let somebody go because we didn't step up
0: as leaders. Yeah. So, so I, lo- I love the core right. values and going back to those for for kind of the guiding light, like how do we behave? Right. Mm. Well, for for me that's that's where that the core values live. Like how do we say yes or no to something? How do we know how, how we behave and interact with our team, with our individuals? And then there's just our permission to play kind of values. Like we don't have be kind as, as a, as a value, but you can't be unkind. That's, that's not cool. So for me, I always look at it, attitude, effort, effectiveness. Like those are the things that would justify a corrective conversation, attitude, You know, is there just a a really poor or inappropriate attitude effort? Mm -hmm. Is there little to no effort and effectiveness could be an indication that we need to dive a little deeper, not necessarily uh, a direct indication that a corrective conversation is neat, but we need to figure out if someone has a great attitude and and an amazing effort, but they are wildly ineffective, then Mm -hmm. why? And it could Mm be, because something didn't work it could be because they're not following the system so there could be some corrective conversations that need to happen in there but those are the categories that I typically put things in when I'm I'm looking at each and every team member so really easy to figure out like if if someone poor effort poor attitude poor effectiveness that's a really good indication that we need to have a corrective conversation and and right. I kind of track these in every one-on-one for my team. So I'm rating them on attitude, effort, and effectiveness and the team members rating themselves. So we can kind of start to gauge how, how do we see each other's actions? And, but that's where I start to look. So if it falls in one of those three categories, then there's a conversation that needs to happen. If it's in one of the first two, it's likely a corrective conversation. It's, Mm -hmm. it's more exploratory if it falls into that third category of effectiveness. So from, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I look at it and love. say, how do I know where, cause you said spidey sense. I look at, look at it more like which category. <laughs> and I know exactly what you're saying. Like something's just off. That's, yeah. that's how I, I, I approach it. So it's beautiful. If,
1: what I love about what you just did is you just married data and intuition. Mm. Data can be taught. Intuition can't be very many times. And I love that just there live together I was going down the intuitive path. Guess what, Jeff? Not very helpful if there's not, there's just an intangible aspect of of, of intuition. So thank you for in the moment saying, and by the way, if spidey sense doesn't really resonate here are three categories you can go to.
0: Beautiful. and and look what you'll end up doing as you start to lead different people or have peers that are leaders is is figure out like oh when you say spidey sense that just means that maybe this reaction for me so i know exactly what jeff is talking about that's not how it it works for me so it neither right or wrong but what you have there is a is a high e and a high i if we're thinking kind of myers-briggs so that's That's great. So if we now know, we've talked about kind of why it is so critical. We have to have these corrective Mm. conversations and we have to have them in a timely manner. Why we have them, kind of what justifies one of these conversations, or at least what categories they would fall in for an exploratory conversation. I mean, but let's get into like, there's no doubt about it. We need to have a corrective conversation because there are plenty of times where you know it, whether it's gut or whether it's just like, I can't believe Mm. this person did or did not do this thing. It's just egregious. It's blatant or it's obvious. So Mm -hmm. when we are there, either because we've gotten there from asking the right questions or it was just obvious to all involved that this conversation needs to happen when, like when does it happen? We've, we've said like, don't, don't wait too long, but what does that mean? Yeah. Here's what it means. To me, it means
1: definitely don't wait until the time is right because it's never going to be. Number two, don't wait until your next one-on-one. Very often we just say, oh, mm. well, I, I can chat with them about them, the one-on-one, here's why. One, the more time that goes by without correction, the more it communicates that the behavior is acceptable and okay. Two, w- the more we delay something, the more chance we have of forgetting. And then when we forget, it's no longer a big issue. And then we feel weird bringing it up, as you mentioned previously. And so you sweep it under the carpet and you move on. And and this is the path, the beginning of the end of, of a deteriorating culture that is no longer intentional and is more around just kind of how we show up in, in on our whim in the time. So quickly is is critical, in my opinion, that day when it happens. Um, okay.
0: So that day. Yeah. And it, it, let me ask you a clarifying question there because- there are times where corrective action or corrective conversations are needed. Like it's obvious and, and the more obvious, um, the more likely it is that maybe emotions are high, mm-hmm. right? So we say that day, I mean, what if this is like, I mean, let's talk about just the, yeah, obviously like the, a crazy example or not crazy, but, but one where no one would question. I mean, if there is a blowup right. between two team members, one team member uses either like Aggressive or inappropriate, I mean screaming, shouting, right. whatever it is. So someone just kinda goes off, loses their cool, maybe gets a little personal in an attack, but that person needs to needs to be like that needs to be dealt with. We have to have that yep. conversation. But if yep. they were that emotionally hot, what do you do? I mean, if are we yep. still talking that day? are how do we know if something is like very emotional, maybe tempers are are flaring, yep. how do we know? how long to let things cool off before we have the conversation or better Mm. yet, or in addition to how do we, or is there any way to kind of exercise or process to go through to help lower those tempers? Yes,
1: definitely. So I'm glad, I'm glad you called that out because sometimes when tempers are high or something happens and you address it right then they're so emotional that when, when emotion is high, nothing really sinks in. Mm-hmm. So there is a cool down uh, uh, moment that can occur unless there's someone who's in physical danger in the moment. You don't have the luxury of of cooling down. Like you have to stop a fight or something, sure. which I've had to do multiple times. And that's fun, especially if you know how massively huge I am and how intimidating I can be.
0: Physically intimidating.
1: Yeah. Yes. <laughs>
0: Physically intimidating.
1: <laughs> but I have had to do that multiple times. Uh, so th- those are the exceptions. But typically, yes, a cool down period is helpful. But the question, I think that the deeper question that you're asking is, how do we know as leaders when we are in a place where we can correct versus just biting someone's head off and being super angry, emotional ourselves? Here's what I like to do, a personal exercise. When my motive to correct is coming from a place of love and care for the person, I know I'm ready. When my motive to correct is coming from a place of self-righteousness, of of Condescension, of uh, belittlement, or just fl- flat out temper. I am not ready. I-, I have to know that I'm in a place where I see who they can become, and I love them to that level to help coach them up to that. Versus coming at them and attacking them. And so that may that may take some people five minutes. It might take some people a couple hours. But but if it takes you longer than a day, I would recommend working on your mindset to help. Cool yourself down faster because otherwise you're gonna delay the the correction that needs to happen. Mm. So, yes, give yourself a cool down, change your mindset from a place of love and care for the person, and that's the motive from which you're coming at. They will sense a completely different energy versus correction and attack and belittlement. That that the outcome of that correction will be vastly different than the outcome of correction coming from a place of love.
0: Yeah, that's really good. I'll tell you. I'll share kind of something that I do. So for me, I can, that can be one of my triggers. If, if it feels like there's massive disrespect or anything like that, to me, it, it, something just bubbles up and, and luckily I've been, I've had great coaches in my life to help me kind of identify this and, and come up with mechanisms to, to suppress it, flip that change, change the narrative change my mindset a little bit because the reaction was to the feeling, not to, not always to the action, right? For me, it's all about giving the benefit of the doubt. So for me to come from a place of like love and, and wanting to not only correct or resolve that, but wanting to, to move to a place of growth, I have to, I have to give that person the benefit of the doubt. So what we Mm -hmm. all do is go to the worst story that we could tell ourselves, the worst possible version of whatever's going on, this person doesn't respect me, this person doesn't respect our customer, this person doesn't respect the the company, This all, and it's all usually yeah. a victim, uh, a someone, mm-hmm. either you're the victim or you're defending a victim, right, when yeah. we look at that. Right. I say, okay, if that's the worst possible version of what could have been going on to this pers- person's mind, let me give the best possible version. And sometimes the best possible version is them responding to something that's happened to them in their personal lives. Now, mm-hmm. now if I can see like, man, maybe this person got really bad news today. Maybe this person's been been come from a place and organizationally that was toxic and this type of conversation led to their exiting inappropriately or them being passed over for a promotion. All these things that could be not an excuse for the way that that they acted, but maybe a a reason. Mm -hmm. So if I can, if I can identify two polars, like the extreme worst case and a potential best case of, of why this would have happened, I can come from a place of curiosity. Not, I have not decided that they intended to act that way to be hurtful. So for me, I have to be able to come from that place of curiosity to be able to have that desired outcome of resolution and growth if i've got it set in my mind that they did that to be like hurtful and spiteful and, right. and it was there was malintent then i'm i'm going to come at that with equal or greater force i know that about myself so that's right. an exercise that i have to go through that may be helpful to you but you may not struggle with the same things i struggle mm-hmm. with i think the the point here is whether it's a five-minute cool-down period that you just need to get outside or do jumping jacks or meditate or listen to your, your favorite Ted Lasso quote a couple of times <laughs> or whatever the heck it is, what is the thing that you need to do? Like, What's your trigger? How do you react when you're at your worst? What's something that you could do that, that breaks you from that trigger so that you can come to a place of powerfully having a corrective conversation with the desired outcome of growth? Great. That's what you have to figure out. So good. That,
1: that's that in and of itself was a micro episode. That was beautiful. Well said. Thank you. And totally with you. Well done. Well done. So, so we've got to the, why we've got to the, when we do it now, should we jump into the how some of the tactics, how or
0: where, Mm. because that's, I think there's a point of discussion as to where these things happen. So what do you think about let's do where let's answer where? where yeah. 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 How many people raise of hands you know who you are
1: and you know you'll be raising your hand as you're running so this will be fun how many people have heard the phrase praise in public correct in private someone just raised their hand i did And, and and for the most part i like that statement i really do here are the caveats and this is back to the where if you're leading a leadership team and there's a behavior that is just off that a particular member is exuding on the leadership team with the leadership team, presumably you have enough trust within that team that where you can correct in the moment with the team present. Now you don't get personal and jabby about that correction. You just call it out and say, "Yeah, that that's that what, what's happening right there." Not 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 how we roll. So that everyone is understanding. Yeah, we hold ourselves to a higher standard. But when you don't correct in public within particular settings like that with a leadership team what gets communicated is that it is tolerated it is okay at best case at worst case ah, uh, there's my there's the there's the leader's favor there's the mm. special club that's getting created mm. which erodes trust right and so now the problem is very often leaders are correcting in private but the other rest of the team doesn't know that and, and nor should they in in some cir- circumstances but within a high trust environment with a leadership team i i am a fan of correcting in public and and helping people just subtly understand and remember oh yeah that's that's just not how we roll because what happens is when you don't co- give that correction it it the the elevation of the team decreases and you kind of lower your standards and performance and expectations subtly start to deteriorate mm. and as a leader we've got to be aware of, of that happening and it's you have to have a lot of discernment to know when that is. So, that's the that's the where I would say is the exception that doing it publicly is is warranted on occasion. But in general, I would say do it privately.
0: So, intellectually and conceptually, I'm tracking. I think on on this, but I would love an example because yeah, that's that's scary right? It's scary because if you get it wrong, you're putting someone on their heels. You're putting yep. someone in a defensive position and it can, you're, yep. you're, it totally. could seem like you're, you're maybe picking on them in front sure. of a group. Now I understand sure. again, what you're saying, but let's give me an example. So okay. I want to hear like, tell me, throw something out that would, that, that would rise to the level, either rise to the level or be, um, passive enough that you believe it would be appropriate to have that correction happen Great. in a group setting. Great. Okay.
1: So both of these examples that I'll give two came to mind right away. When you asked the important thing to remember is that there has been, and was a foundation of trust built to earn the opportunity to do this. That is a, a very important point point to make. If you haven't built a relationship of trust to correct in, in public is very dangerous. Mm. Then it creates a more of more of an environment of fear and covering your back, where we don't perform our best. So that caveat aside, uh, one particular example: we were setting annual numbers as a team, as a leadership team, and that can be a stressful time where people's you know livelihood is on the line, and you're you're creating a future that you don't know exists yet, and you're using models to try try to. In- in some, okay, in some ways, direct and, and inform what direction should be based on his, historical trends, market share, blah, blah, blah. We're doing all this. And there was a particular energy, particular energy from one particular member of the team that was very much why it can't be done. Mm. And, and it wasn't around, I'm, I'm a fan of naysaying, I'm a fan of, of trying to find is this really accurate and so forth, and really getting good on numbers what I'm not a fan of is looking for all the reasons why not. I'm okay to say, hey, this doesn't seem plausible, but what if we did this instead and, and creating solutions amidst the constraints. But the energy just kept coming back. And it was a two-day meeting, by the way. And the energy was all around, well, no, it, we can't because. Well, no, because of this. No, we can't because, and it just kept sucking the energy out of the room. And I was like, mm. how, how, how do I do, do this? And finally, it was it was the middle of day one because I knew we had another day coming and I was like I can't do this and I didn't have the luxury of correcting in private because we were all together, and I didn't want the behavior to be manifested in a way that was like yeah this is okay yeah we we can't hit our goals everything's too hard and it, woe is me, so I looked at him straight in the eyes and I said. You know I love you, so before I say anything I need you to know that, and he's like yeah I got you what and I said everything coming out of your mouth is why things can't happen. I need your help to change it from a place of why it can't and replace it with what would need to be true Mm -hmm. in order for it to happen. And he kind of looked at me and the rest of the team members were kind of like, did he just do that in front of everybody? But I had to because the whole energy of what was happening for the entire year that we were creating was getting destroyed based on this negative energy. And I took a little courage, and, and, but they, he knew there was a, a foundation of love. And it wasn't just because I said, you know, I love you, right? <laughs> I, I, you can't say that if you haven't earned it, right? And he has since three different times, that happened 10 years ago, three different times, we no longer at the same company, has said to me that one conversation was more pivotal for his career than any other conversation he has had and literally changed his trajectory for the following year. He said, I wouldn't have hit my goals had it not been for that moment. And and I also said, at times, you act the victim. And I know you're better than that. And I want you to be the victor. And I mm. need you to be the champion that you are. And he said, when you called me a victim in front of everybody else, I'll be honest, at first, I was pissed. Yeah. But I was pissed because you were totally right. And I had to change myself in that moment. And I had a choice to make. And he did. And I was like, wow. It was more, to me, it was better leadership on his part than mine, because he had the humility to just own that and, and change it. But it was super inspiring. And literally six months ago, I saw him again at a random baseball game of our son's. And he he told me the same story. And he said, I can't tell you how much that changed my life. Thank you again. And I was like, whoa, I'm glad he's thanking me because I
0: wasn't sure in the moment. Yeah, that's that's great. And And hopefully some of you listening to that said, well, that wasn't that hard to say to the corrective nature. So correction versus discipline, right? That's mm-hmm. something I think that needs to be pointed out. Correction right. is you're doing this. It needs to be this. You're saying this, it needs to be this. Your mindset is here. It needs to be here. Correction. Discipline is I'm writing you up. Right. You're go home, get right. out of this meeting. There are times I'm sure that that could rise again, like Jeff said. I mean, if, if we're talking physical danger or things like that, but Don't, don't confuse correction with discipline because what Jeff said right there, I mean, when you get to the victim part, victim versus Victor, that's tough to say. But the first part, is it really that tough to say, Hey, you're doing this. I need you to do this. And, and we all need that. We all want it because it's what's required. So Mm -hmm. I think that hopefully you heard that example and said, that's not that scary. I could do that. In fact, that, what what you can start to do in your meetings like for us on offsites we have ground rules that we go through and one of our ground rules is never it can't always what needs to be true so like mm-hmm. jeff said it's it mm-hmm. don't come with it can't happen come with Here's what needs to be true in order for it to happen. It's a it's just a pivot. I'll I'll share a couple of real quick stories with you guys that were recent. So in our most recent off, we had a two-day offsite where we're a virtual team, but we get together to do our offsite. So we flew half the team that's here in Austin over to San Diego, and we're having a, a two-day offsite. And and it starts to get a little, a little weird. It starts to get a little heated. Day two is cool. we get to a very specific point. And it was one individual and it was one of those moments in time where you go, I don't know how I was able to react like that because I didn't go through my normal exercises of here's how you're going to react, like pivot. And when this person got more confrontational and more defensive, I got more agreeable. I found the points of, of commonalities in what we were suggesting and didn't speak to the points of where they, where they differed. And the more that happened, the more this person got upset and it started to point at everyone. And finally I had to stop it and go, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to have to call a timeout. This is going to a very negative place. I called the person out. I said, you are starting to kind of flee to confrontation for the, for, for the point of confrontation. My guess is it's about something bigger than this and, and we need to figure it out. But either way, This has gone on as far as it can go until we get to that next level of confrontation, which is not going to be productive. So we are going to take five and maybe we're going to take 10 and I need everyone to leave this room, whether you need to go outside and do some walk around, do some jumping jacks, do whatever. This is an inappropriate response. We're going to figure out why get this back on. But, but I need you to know that you're in a safe place. Everyone respects your opinion. We hear what you're saying where I do not believe that it is constructive is when you are arguing over things that people are agreeing with you and you are getting more aggressive and more confront. So we stop it now and we're going to so come good. back together and we're going to finish it, but you are going to have to get your mind right to come back in a place of collaboration, not confrontation. So good. And that was the executive leadership team. And, and it was, I'll tell you, we were all better for that. Mm-hmm. We had the follow-up conversations. We we came with an amazing outcome of that, but it had to happen, and we would have settled for something if it hadn't. Now, I'll give you the flip side. Another one, I was at leading uh, almost as an advisor or a facilitator with another one of our brands on their company meeting and show up, and we're going through the meeting, going through the agenda, and the scorecards aren't filled out. And none of the metrics are there and some of them don't have goals and no one's put down their big three of what is the most important for them to get done this week. And I had to stop the meeting and go, we just have to point something out here. The price tag of this meeting is large. This meeting should always ROI, but the activities that we are, we are, are, are doing are not in alignment with having a productive meeting that ROIs. If, We can't take the time to fill these things out. We can't follow our own systems. We have no reason to believe that they'll work. And one of my biggest pet peeves is not following a proven system and then complaining that something's not working. So Mm. I'll tell you, we are going to stop that. Now we're going to, we're going to finish the, the points of this meeting that we can, but by the end of the day, everyone's going to update these numbers. If there's a reason that you cannot update these numbers or you believe that they're inaccurate, I need you to reach out to either me or your leader. And we need to go through it, but. When we meet, but by the end of the day, it's going to be done. When we meet next time, it's going to be done. I need everyone to understand not only the why, but the urgency of doing this. The seat you occupy requires you to follow these processes. And that one wasn't a person, which is almost a little bit easier. It was speaking right. to an action where the majority of the people involved were not doing the right thing. They weren't Ooh. going to get the result that they all wanted. So the correction, the corrective action wasn't to a person, but it was to kind of a group saying none yeah. of us are doing what needs to happen. And and I know, I know how this story ends at the end of the month, at the end of the quarter, we're going to say we missed and we don't know why. And I'm going to say, mm-hmm. I know why you missed. I don't know why exactly, but I know why you didn't know. Yeah. That right. was the conversation that had to be had right then and there, but it, corrective versus the, like discipline. Yeah. Yep, totally. So that's great. Couple of stories there. And I think, I think those are important because it can be very scary to have those. I, I, I don't think either of those were overly confrontational, at least mine. I mm-hmm. definitely don't believe that, that yours was, but I bet it felt like that way to you. I bet it felt that way to him and I, uh, because it's a group setting and, and you're calling someone out.
1: Yeah, totally. And a quick correction on my story, it wasn't a leadership team as I remembered, uh, mm. I, I was confusing two stories. It was actually a, a team that I was leading as, as the manager. So, which is interesting because I said, you know, with a leadership team, when there's high trust, correct in public, but within this team where we were a leadership team, it still needed to be corrected in public. So in case anyone's heard that and said, oh, well, I can't really do that with my team. I was actually a manager at the time. I wasn't leading leaders. So that was, that was just a little correction. I think is helpful. So All right. There's I think a, it was
0: appropriate to dive into where cause that one's that ag- one's tough, especially ag- the, the, the private versus public, all the, the things leading up to this. How, how do we how? have a corrective conversation that leads to this desired outcome of growth change alignment? Love it. Okay. How not to, Oh, let's start there.
1: Yeah. I want to do that first. Don't use a medium that isn't conducive to really open communication. In other words, Don't correct on text, on Slack, on email. Ideally, it's face-to-face, but in today's world, that's really hard. So Zoom or some type of video conference is critical. So don't start
0: your correction with written communication, especially not written communication that's chunked in a a messaging-like. 100%. Okay. It, it, It feels efficient to do it then.
1: And I was listening to the podcast and I said sooner than later. So I'm just going to get it out right now before I have this meeting. Otherwise I'm going to forget, right? We have, we have good intentions, but, but it doesn't end well, 99.9% of the time. And because there, the intent isn't really understood. The curiosity isn't there. It's more about us judging versus being curious what happened. It requires dialogue. In addition, very much of what we communicate is nonverbal. And Mm -hmm. so we're missing out on the richness of communication, the energy, the motive, the spirit, everything around
0: that. Well, and all that leads to the person reading that written text through whatever they are feeling. If they're having a bad day, if they're feeling victimized, the tone, if I make people read things out loud to me. And it's funny. (laughs) If you've ever read a back and forth text message of a confrontation online, when you read yours, you're way more soft. Oh yeah. And I was just saying, like your tone slows down and and where you put, you know, very justified, very rational. Absolutely. Look at me just being this calm and collective. And then when you get (laughs) to them, there's this sharpness and and you do it. And you know you do it. And I do it. And Jeff does it. And we all do it. Why? Because we're broken humans. But so does the person that you're correcting, yes. they're reading it through th- whatever yes. they're feeling right there. And if they're feeling like they've been victimized or they, they feel like you know, they are justified in their anger or retribution, they're reading that and it's, it's playing into the narrative, the negative narrative that they have, not into a positive corrective narrative. So I totally. love that. No written. Now, I do believe you should follow up any corrective conversation in written, but it should never, ever, ever start there for all the reasons Jeff just said. So doesn't start in, in, in written form, especially not in a messenger, like, Hey, you suck. Don't do that. Terrible. (laughs) You just failed at everything. And this is congratulations. Your next couple of days are going to be rough.
1: Uh. You, you also
0: in your story, you shared one that I'm going to get to next, but Mm.
1: first I'll say it's what we've shared in previous episodes before it's from fierce conversations. It's this line. Hey, I wanna talk with you about. Notice I want to and with versus I need to talk to you. So need and to versus want and with. Subtle, but very, very nuanced and very important. I want to talk with you with has much more about collaboration and curiosity. I need to talk to you has much more about condescension and correction and right and wrong. And, and what we're doing is trying to discover where they were coming from and then help them get back on the path of what the core values are or what the initiative is, what our mission, whatever it may be. So the tactical is, I want to talk with you about, that's it. I, I know a lot of that's people start are probably hearing that going, yeah, they're like, that's, that's it. But start with that and, and then pull them aside and hey, let's, let's chat for 15 minutes um, and, and when your motive is from a place of, of care, curiosity, love. The energy is so different. But when you're annoyed, when you are in, you just, you want to stick it to them. They feel it. it. They know it. Then the next one you mentioned, when you correct something and you say, da, 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 but, replace buts with ands. You did it already, Richard, in what you were sharing when you gave the story about your team. You You talked about how important it was that we have these, these metrics and things filled out ahead of time. It's critical. And you had a moment to say, but, but you didn't. It's already natural in your language. We very often, if we don't, if we're not careful, we'll say, I want to da, 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 And you're kind of telling them something good. I know you're this and this and this, but everything you just said is discredited with but. Change it with and. Mm. Very, very tactical, but super important. Watch our language. So include the genius of and and, and the power of that so that what we're saying both the positive and the negative can be combined. Otherwise you negate everything you say positively to start with, with a negative that's coming post pot. So don't use the but. Then,
0: let go ahead, Are you going to? No, 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 that's great.
1: Okay. I was just going to validate. Then the next step I like to go to is questions. Inquisitive, thoughtful, inspiring questions, not incriminating questions not condescending questions how could you have been so stupid i don't mean that (laughs) i mean i mean hey i saw this happen and i'm curious how did that occur to you
0: i love that perspective i love i love that mine is i usually start these with hey we've got a chat about that and and the first thing i need to know and i want to do is like help me understand what you were feeling or what you were reacting to. If at the very first part of a corrective conversation, you seek to understand their point of view instead of seeking to force your like ode to the ways that you were wrong. Cause guess what? Guess <laughs> what? I'm going to let the freaking cat out of the bag. They know, they know yeah. they were wrong unless you're dealing right. with a true sociopath. Right. When you have these corrective conversations, They're probably sitting there like, I know I screwed up. I've been beating myself up about it. And when you come in and just like, and this was wrong and this was wrong and this was wrong. You're just feeding into that. And they're like, okay, dude, shut up. Like I've already, now they're going from a place of probably remorse to back to anger. So Mm -hmm. for me, it's always seek to understand either what they were reacting to, their point of view, their feelings, their emotional state. What led to this happening? Your story, go. That's where I I kick my conversations off. And I think that's what Jeff's saying out of curiosity too, like be curious. Yep, definitely.
1: So when you leave with curiosity, with with really good questions, by the way, you asked a great question. Hey, what were you feeling when this happened? Notice the difference between that question and this question. What were you thinking when this Mm -hmm. happened? Even that. What were you thinking has the connotation of you idiot. (laughs) Right. Right. But but what were you thinking? What was going on in your mind? What were you, sorry, what were you feeling? What was going on in your mind? How did that occur to you? Very different
0: energy than what were you thinking. Yeah. And what were you reacting to has been a really good question for me, especially because I followed up with like, hey, Jeff, like, man, First question I have is what were you reacting to? Because I know you, I know you to be logical. I know you to be so restating things, points of, 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 of knowledge of that person, especially that Mm -hmm. they agree with now Mm -hmm. puts you on the same side. I know you're this, I know you're this, I know you're this. And it's, and, and I just, I'm given all of those things. It doesn't feel like you were actually reacting to this thing. Maybe I'm wrong. But now I'm kind of giving them an out. I'm giving them a way of if they acted um, uncharacteristically to, to who we know they are as a human, as mm-hmm. a person, as an employee, as a team member. I'm kind of giving them a bit of a, not an out, but I'm giving them a way to have a conversation yeah. that doesn't lead with just a smiting verbally right. of all of the ways that they have screwed up. Totally. Totally.
1: Then, In other words, what you're talking about is letting this conflict be together about the issue versus the issue being you versus me, right? Yep, and absolutely. That, that's, a, that's a really important, high emotional intelligence way of communicating, which I think is great. Then I go to, so they share that and I say, oh, got it. And then I restate. So when I'm hearing you say this and this, I can see that, I can understand that. So they feel heard, they have to feel heard. And it's not just robotic, what I hear you saying is this, it like use your own language of what's best for you, but like, let them know and use words that they didn't quite use to help them know that you really did hear them. And what I'll say a lot is you didn't quite say this word, but I think what you're saying, if I'm hearing you correctly, is this, is that accurate? Oh, totally. And then they feel even more heard. They're like, yes. But if you're not careful, that could also be, be on the on the side of now you're validating the bad behavior. Now, here's the trick. The next question you ask is the pivot. Yeah. Here's the pivot. So how do you think it occurred to the other people that were in the conversation? Then they're open and willing to be vulnerable and actually try that on. But if you ask that question too quickly, they're in defensive mode of why they were right very often because they're in self-preservation. Why? Because fear, fear, fight or flight comes in, the the oldest part of our brain, the brainstem, and it's about self-preservation. But when you can elevate their thinking to get to the higher function of creativity, problem solving, then they can go there, but they can't go there there if they don't feel safe. So you help them feel safe by doing what we talked about before. Then you get to, okay, how do you think it occurred to them? Then I say, and then they share that and say, okay, great. And very often they're like, oh, I can see how probably this and this. And then I go, here's how it occurred to me. Hmm. I share that and then say, so based on that, my guess is others probably felt similar, similar to me, maybe not, but I do think there's some correction that needs to be happened here. And so maybe some, some little bit of conversation if you could follow up with so-and-so. And then I assign an action. I, I invite them to do something because well, what are we doing as leaders? We're inviting people to change their behavior for the good. Yeah, And, and that's what this is all about. It's about inviting them. We're not forcing them, we're not pushing them, we're not, we're not requiring. I like to inspire, not require. And inspiration comes through really thoughtful, carefully uh, worded questions about the the, the well being of that individual, because who they can become. And when they see in you your passion and desire to help them become better, they can't help but elevate to that level. In many ways, they can't believe that someone believes them and believes in them that powerfully and that personally. But that's the power of us leading people. And, yeah. and they, they very often, more often than not, rise to that occasion when it's handled in that way. So hopefully those, those steps were helpful for you. We really got to nitty gritty in this episode of, of very tactical ways to, to address the conversations, to ask certain things, and to do it in a chronological way, in a very intentional way to help people open up and to be their best self and, and execute their highest level of, of, of thinking and, and behaving.
0: Yeah. And, and look, I'll, I want to, I've got just one more thing to share here uh, that I think is important. And I I don't want to, I don't want to hold anything back when I know that we're in, in kind of a, what can be an uncomfortable conversation for all leaders. For me, the pivot, Jeff talked about from being that being curious, I pivot and go, why, why, how? Mm. So for me, why, why is what happened? detrimental. Why can mm-hmm. it, why, why is this going to keep us from our goals, from being a high output team, from having trust? Like why? And it, we've talked a lot about what seems to be conflict. Like it could be performance, not conflict, mm-hmm. right? Anything that we need to correct and change a behavior. So curious, then why, why the way something was done or is being done is going to keep us from hitting our goals as a company? Why the second why is why the action activity or performance is going to keep you from hitting your goals and how is how we change the action or activity for alignment with the company goals and your goals. So curious then why, why, how, why company or team, why individual, how, and then again, an action item following up, like Jeff says, inspire not require for me. There are times where I will say like, I'm going to need you to repair that trust that was broken or, I'm going to need you to come back to me and kind of tell me how you've got a plan to do this. So sometimes for me, I, I do have it. It It is required, not inspired. Hopefully there's inspiration along there with the the alignment. And finally, the last thing, follow everything up with an email. Yeah. Every single one of these conversations needs to be followed up in written, never start written, always end written. The written should be like, hey, Jeff, thanks for the conversation today. I think we really got to the heart of Thursday's whatever, or I think we really identified what's keeping us from hitting our goals here. Just wanted to recap, so we're both on the same page. We said that this is what's happening. This is what needs to happen by, if you could just give me a a quick reply to this email, confirming you received it and you agree, let's get going on, on, you know knocking this thing out. And, and for all the reasons, one, if it ever, if the same conversation comes up again, we need to go back and say, man, like this isn't the first time this has happened or or like, right. Look right here, obviously for HR purposes, if it has to move past a uh, correction to potentially termination, you have that record, but more Mm -hmm. and more it's for the it's for that alignment. Yeah. You don't want, especially if there's high anxiety or, or high emotion, you don't want that person to not actually hear you. So have the conversation, allow them to hear the emotion, feel where you're coming from, but then have a, a time where they chill out, they sleep on it, come back and see it in written form to go like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Okay. I remember. So yep. that is, that is how I finish these the conversations off. And, and I really think that it's the most respectful way. And it's also uh, the best way to achieve the desired outcome of growth alignment for the company and and the team member so totally agree i have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation jeff you have dropped so many uh gold nuggets and and uh, actionable steps and uh, maybe demystified and hopefully taken some of the anxiety out of these corrective conversations it's it's not one of the fun aspects of leadership but boy it is one of the critical so thank you for for being here thank you for walking us through your process. And thank you for sharing some very personal stories about when you've had to have some corrective conversations with those you've been called to lead.
1: My, my pleasure. And thank you. I, I, it's funny. As you said what you said, I was like, I was going to say the same thing about you. It was, you shared awesome. I, I love that we are doing this together with very different personalities and attacking problems and issues the way that comes most naturally to us because mm-hmm. it, it, it's different. And it, and it can be. That's the beautiful thing about leadership. There isn't one way. And even what you and I are saying, it isn't the only way. There's plenty of other ways to think about this as well, which I think gives people permission to go. What's my, my way? way? What's most effective? So thank What's you. What's my Excuse way? Excuse me for,
0: for being you. It's awesome. Yeah, uh, this is this is fun. Uh, I hope it's helpful. I believe it's helpful. But I'll tell you, we do this each and every. And as much as we enjoy our conversations, we want to be here to give you those tools. We want to be here to give you uh, those stories about times where we've done it uh, the wrong way, which led to us figuring out the the right way. Like pain leads to breakthroughs. Hopefully you can hear our stories, feel our pain, and just start with the breakthrough. So again, we do this each and every week. I've had a ton of fun this week, this episode, and I sincerely hope that you join us next episode. So Jeff, thank you very much. And to all the listeners, thank you for being here. We'll talk to you next time.
1: Thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Ready to Lead show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating on your favorite podcast platform. And if you want to stay updated on the release of new episodes, be sure to hit that follow button. And Jeff and Richard, they want to hear from you. If there's an episode topic you'd like to hear them dive into or something about today's episode that was a big breakthrough, or maybe even something you disagree with, they want to know. Send them an email at feedback at readytolead.com. Thanks again for tuning into this episode. We'll
0: see you on the next one.